Welcome to Light It Up, a podcast about resilient women balancing motherhood, their careers, personal lives, and all of the challenges that come along with being a superwoman. Each week, you'll be motivated to take action to lead, inspire, transform, and empower. Now, here's your host, Dr. Regina Mashira. Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Light It Up. I am so excited about today's episode because I have the honor of interviewing Dr. Bansil Griffin-Barras, who is an orthodontist here in the Chicago area. Welcome, Dr. Barras. Thank you and good morning. How are you today? Doing well. How are you? Can't complain in in light of everything that's happening uh, with the world. I know, I know. We've been trying to get this scheduled for a little bit. And I guess thanks to COVID-19, we've both been able to kind of sit down. We've had no other choice. The break that we've always wanted or complained that we needed. That's right. (laughs) Careful what you ask for. We got it. (laughs) (laughs) So full disclaimer to those of you who are listening and viewing. Uh, Bonnie, you are my BFF. Yep, we're like sister. That's right. We've been friends since high school. High school, yes. So you were in high school and I was... And you were in academic center. Yeah, that's right. High school. <laughs> so we're products of a Chicago public school system. We yeah. went to Morgan Park, graduated from there, and have been friends ever since. So that's, I don't know how many years that is, 30 Maybe. Yeah, it's more than that. Yeah, definitely. Because we, if we met in our teens and I'm <clears throat> a certain age, yes, that would definitely be yes. Yes, and I am the younger person <laughs> here of the group. I Even though she acts that. older than me and bosses me, yeah, she is the older. <laughs> so I wanted to have you on because, like I mentioned, you are an orthodontist and um, you're probably, I don't know the statistics. I said I was going to look it up. But if I'm not mistaken, you are probably one of very few um, Black female orthodontists in the state of Illinois with multiple practices, right? Yeah, I'm the, right now as it stands, I'm the only one, the first and only female, African-American female orthodontist in the city of Chicago with multiple practices. Currently, um, I have three um Griffin Orthodontics, as well as I Regional Specialist, Griffin Orthodontics is located in uh, Beverly on the south side of Chicago, where Morgan Park uh, is, where, where, I, where I grew up. Um, the second one is in High Park, Kenwood High Park area. That's I Regional Specialist. We offer uh, services of general dentistry as well as orthodontics. And we recently, um, prior to the COVID uh, pandemic, we're about to open up our newest location of Ivory Dental Specialist on 83rd and Halsted in the Auburn-Gresham area. So right now, as it stands, we have three locations. We're at a standstill right now because of the shut-in order, but we will be opening June 1st, um, the Kenwood Hyde Park, as well as the Beverly location again. Perfect, perfect. Um, So I'm just curious. So you graduated from Morgan Park, Um, I want you to give the audience a little bit of your background after high school. You went off, obviously, to college and Mm -hmm. dental school. Um, So if you could just talk about your transition and did you always know that you wanted to be an orthodontist? Okay, so a little bit about me. I've been around the field of dentistry since I was basically about about the age of 13. 
I was fortunate enough to have an uncle and an aunt. My uncle is an orthodontist as well as my aunt is a pediatric dentist. So I was introduced to the profession very early while actually going through orthodontic treatment. Noticed that I wanted to become an orthodontist while just sitting in the waiting room watching my uncle um, interact with his patients. And I just liked how easy and how fun it looked. Um, and I voiced that to my mom and she, of course, told that to her brother. Uh, my uncle, and he had me start coming in and working with him on weekends, just assisting. Um, outside of babysitting, that was really the only job I ever had. I tried to be a cashier and things like that. That didn't work. So I've basically been in the field of dentistry since the age of 13. While assisting him, I also assisted my um, aunt, who's a pediatric dentist. Um, they were in a building that encompassed a lot of dental specialties. So I was able to navigate my way around and assist in different areas of um, dentistry. And I just found out that I really liked orthodontics. I liked the neatness. I liked the, um, the results that you get. It's almost like reconstructing a mouth from before and after. So I really felt like ortho was my passion. And so um, after finishing high school, I knew when I went to college, I was going with the intention of getting into dental school. Um, so I went to a small liberal arts college about two and a half hours away uh, called Albion College in Albion, Michigan. Uh, that was a four-year uh, liberal arts college, uh, after which I attended the University of Michigan, which is the number one dental school in the country in Ann Arbor, Michigan, for four years. Um, after graduating from Michigan, I did a one-year uh, GPR residency here at UIC, where we worked on medically compromised patients doing general dentistry. Afterwards, um, I didn't get into ortho right away because it's such a, a highly competitive specialty. I worked for a year for Heartland Alliance working and starting their homeless uh, dental project up north where we saw people living in shelters, people living in the street, and I delivered their dental care um, from all facets of extractions, fillings, dentures. Uh, we didn't have time to do root canals because by the time these people got to me, the teeth were either you either fill them or they were so far gone you had to take them out. Afterwards, I got accepted into, into um, the orthodontic program at Howard University, where I did a two-year residency learning orthodontics only in Washington, D.C. Um, afterwards, I had my certificate in orthodontics and declared myself a specialist when I came back to the state of Illinois. And now, um, basically, what I do is I practice only orthodontics, which is the movement of teeth or what people see as braces, Invisalign, and things like that. Wow. You know, I had actually... I don't know how I could have forgotten the residency that you did at UIC. Yeah. And then even when you were working up north, I do remember that. And it just seems like, I mean, when you're watching somebody, it seems like you went from graduating from Howard. And, and I must say, I remember coming to your graduation. You were at, at the dental school, dental school graduation. Yep, you were. Yeah. And at the banquet as well. You came That's a day right. early to attend the banquet. Yeah. That's what I'm <laughs> <laughs> but it just seems like you went from completing all of your um, educational coursework, becoming licensed, to having a practice. Well, I didn't but have I a know practice. That wasn't the case. Yeah, yeah. I practiced, I practiced, I believe, two and a half years before I opened up my own practice. Um, and then I actually had bought into another practice out in Joliet and practiced out there for about roughly 10 years, short, shy of 10 years. Mm -hmm. Then I realized, you know what, the, the, the best thing for me is to be my own boss, to um, dictate what, how my time will be spent. Mm -hmm. And I tell people the, the beauty about owning your own practice 
It's just you dictate your time, how much you want to work, how hard you want to work. You want to be able to um, steer the direction of your own path. So I can, I can say, okay, I want to take the practice in this direction. I want to open up in this neighborhood where, you know, um, so that, you know, I have been in practice by myself um, since 2008. Okay. Um, and that the first office that we opened up was in Beverly, you know, a smaller mm-hmm. office. And then from there, it was just the grace of God and opportunity that allowed me to get the other two locations. Um, because honestly, when I first sought out to become an orthodontist, I did not believe that I was going to be a practice owner. I didn't envision myself as a practice owner. Um, it just happened by happenstance, as they mm-hmm. say. And then when those opportunities were presented, you know, I just had to step out and, and I had no other choice but to just make good on it, you know, mm-hmm. and take advantage of the opportunities that were presented before me. Was there anything that you, um, that you did to prepare to become um, an owner and, you know? Honestly, you- honestly, Agina, Dr. Muhammad, no. <laughs> because, and, and I'll tell you why, because I didn't anticipate it. Um, now, I was blessed and fortunate enough to, like I said, be in the dental field since I was 13. And I was given the opportunity to, you know, work the front desk, uh, chair side assist. So I was able to see the business component of how the doctors were running the practices. Um, And then um, during my, when I first came out, I did take a part-time job with a company up north. And that's how I saw the multi-practice location model. Um, and 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 I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and it's something when you're forced to do it, you know, and, and this is your only means to eat, you have to do it. Um, so I just stepped out on faith and, you know, I found a building, you know, through the help of uh, my sister-in-law. And at that time, you know, the lending institutions, all you had to do was show them that you had a degree. Mm-hmm. And so they were, they were very gracious with the financing and things like that. Um, got an architect and I kind of knew how I wanted to lay out the office because really with the shape and size of the building there was only one way you could do it mm-hmm. um, I still worked with other doctors when I first opened the office because I didn't have any patients but eventually I had to let those jobs go because the practice started to build to where more of my time was needed at my own practice as opposed to somebody else's right right wow I mean and even with that so you even had to you could call yourself actually um, a contractor of some sort because you've had to do your own build out or go through that process. Yeah. I tell people, I tell people I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a sister, I'm a friend, and I'm a reluctant businesswoman because like I said, this, I didn't chart this out for me. I thought I was just going to be in a family practice and things worked out differently, which is fine. Um, and I did learn a lot about construction. Um, because there were times I had to fire a couple contractors based off of them not doing the work that they needed to do. And I had to find other people to complete the work. Um, So after you do one practice, you know about the sequencing of what goes in, how this goes in. Um, And we did, I did that with my home as well. So I'm very familiar with the steps. I'm not saying I'm a pro or I'm a contractor, but now if I ever choose to build out another office, I can say, okay, this is what we need as far as the plumbing fixture, you know, going in the, the, you know, the, the, the plumbing sides, the water feed going into the building. This is the type of piping you can use for certain, you know, sinks. And this is how we need airlines run this way and that way. We need, 
you know, this voltage from my x-ray unit. So it, it's, you just become more familiar and more comfortable with it um, as the process goes along. Did you ever find when going through that process, I mean, I know for myself as a woman, divorced, you know, and not having a man around whenever I have to get work done, I feel as if I'm being taken advantage of. Did you ever encounter any situations when you were building out your practices? Where you All the time, all the time. I, I feel that, I feel that even now, I mean, we just went and got an estimate for some, some roller blinds, you know, for the new location prior to opening. And I always get three estimates. Mm -hmm. And then even after I get the three estimates, I'm going back to whoever's estimate that I decided to go with and say, okay, you can do a little bit better for me. You know, and I think as a black female, we are always taken for granted, like we're not going to speak up or that we have no knowledge to what's going on. And you just have to be firm with people like, look, you know, my money is green like everybody else's and I have options just like everybody else. So take me seriously. I understand you are going to make some profit. You are supposed to. You know, you're in business. Nobody works for free and everybody has to eat and live decently. But at the same time, don't take so much advantage. Don't take advantage of me to where, you know, it's just, you know, ridiculous. And it's the thing that um, I'm, I'm just of the mindset, like, you're not going to take advantage of me that much. I am going to cost compare. I am going to bid one contractor against the other. And um, if you don't like it, then you won't get my business. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just it's just a learning process of, you know, navigating your way around. And once you've been through it the first time, then you're pretty much comfortable going through it the second, third, fourth, fifth time. Gotcha. You know, it's just like driving a car. Mm -hmm. You know, you test drive so many and then you get one you're comfortable with. And then when it's time to get a new car, you're either going to get one at the level, above the level, or below that level. But you know the differences. Right, right. Now, as um, the first, so you're a pioneer as the first, well, you are, as the first African-American woman to own multiple practices in the city of Chicago. Mm -hmm. Do you, um, are there other um, uh, African-American female orthodontists who seek um, guidance or mentorship from you? You know what, actually, yeah, it, it is. Um, I've had, and it's not just um, orthodontist, it's just dentists in general. There have been over the last, I would say six or seven months, I've had uh, African-American dental professionals call me and ask me, you know, what do I do? Um, I'm thinking about opening up my first practice. What are first steps? Um, now, a lot of times people will, will charge you for that information. You know, um, me, I'm like, I'm not charging it because of the simple fact I didn't have anybody really to come and tell me what to do. And I think in order to build up the, our, our network, our community, you know, I didn't do anything any differently from what I actually took the time to look at. So I'll go out to lunch with them. I'll get them on a phone call and I'll just tell them the first steps, you know, first think of a name, you know, after you think of that name, get your EIN number or become incorporated, decide if you want to be a PC or a LLC. After that, um, look for, will you have to reinvest and get a bigger space? You know, so I've talked to at least about four or five um, African African American female dental professionals. Um, I get it. I get calls from males as well. It's not just limited to females. Um, I have been blessed to be in a family where we are probably one of the only African American families in the Midwest that has three generations of orthodontists. Like I said, I have my uncle, I have myself, and then I have my younger cousin, which is his daughter, whom he practices with now. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we always go back and forth 
um, giving each other ideas, letting, hey, I found out about this. Hey, what about that? So I try to network within with it with my peers within the Chicagoland community because I tell people all the time being a black woman uh owning your own business so a lot of what I've achieved is just been talking to other people or just you know doing my own research and 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 growing it from there good good um and then what about um for you I know you had your uncle um who's practicing orthodontist um, as a mentor, did you have any other um, mentors along the way? My dad and my mom. I mean, I, I would have to say of anybody, my first teachers were my dad and my mom, especially my father with him telling me first going to business for in something that can't be uh, replaced by a computer and what everybody will always want to have, you mm-hmm. know. Um, also, he was the one who told me, you want to work for yourself you know, do something where you can work for yourself. And he's also, he told me, you know, going through uh, higher education, it gets tiring. You know, when you're 20s, you think you're grown, you want to live life. And he's like, no, between the ages of five and 30 is your, your job is to, sh- to stay in school. Mm-hmm. You know, and he told me, he said, look, anything that you need, we will try and give it to you. But if we can't, then you're going to have to wait, but you stay in school. And then that way, once you get out of school, you will have the ability to get everything that you want within reason. And that was, that was some of the best advice that I could have ever gotten, you know, um, growing up. And that's what I tell my daughters. That's what I tell all the young people who come and sit in my chair. You know, um, my mother was the one who said, when you go away to school, you know, when you go away to college, you have to go away. You cannot stay here. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was always pushing, like, you have to go until you can't go any further. So, you know, I'm riding high, graduated from University Dental, Dental School at Michigan, and um like man my this is wonderful this is great aren't you proud of me and she's like yeah but you still want to go to specialty so she was always that pusher and i'm glad she pushed you know i tell her to this day i'm so happy you pushed me to keep striving for the goal of attaining a specialty certificate because it's made my life um that much easier in the field of dentistry and that much more enjoyable i really enjoy what i do even on my bad days i look forward to going to work um, so I would definitely have to say outside of, you know, my dental mentors, mm-hmm. my parents were definitely my most impactful mentors. Um, I also was, um, mentored, like I said, with all the other dentists that I worked, had the ability to work in their offices and watch them, you know, work and things like that. But hands down, uh, my mother and father, as well as my grandparents, mm-hmm. you know, I was, my, my grandfather on the West side was a, a large property owner. So, uh, he was able to, you know, he, I saw how he worked with different people, the men that he hired to keep up his buildings, my grandmother, <clears throat> excuse me, how she, um, you know, went and, and, and kept on striving, got her degree in divinity, you know, at a later age, you know, my mother's mother who constantly talked to me and fed me, this is how you're supposed to act as a young lady. This is how you're supposed to present yourself and constantly work hard and how to treat people. Mm-hmm. So I was fortunate, you know, both sets of grandparents, uh, a great set of parents, you know, who believed in hard work, sacrifice, putting their kids in an ideal environment so that they could succeed, as well as, you know, friends like you and, and a huge extended family, you know, that was really revving for us and pushing for us to do well. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, I mean, you come from on both sides. It's a large family, but still, even though it's large, still very close knit. Yeah. Almost so much to the point where 
on both your dad and your mom's side, yeah, it doesn't seem to be any distinct. And, and, and that's the thing. It's almost like, you know, um, my mother and father refer to each other's parents as mom and dad. Mm-hmm. So it's foreign to me when I hear people say, oh, that's my mother-in-law, or they'll call their mother-in-law, you know, other than mom and dad. But, I, you know, that's their family dynamic. And it's not, it's nothing weird with that. It's just, you know, what I'm accustomed to and using it. But yeah, you know, holidays, the families were always together. No matter who was throwing what, it was always the families together. And as a child, you really, really, um, that was something to hold on to. It it gave you a very secure feeling. And it's hard to replicate that now. Even, you know, I'm a mother, I'm a wife. It's hard to replicate that now. So, you know, that was something special. Um, We try to replicate it, but we're so much busier now. We have so many more things pulling at us that it's just you know we try our best our cousins we as cousins are close and you've been our family get-togethers and things like that so you know but that 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 feeling that I had as a young kid you know it's, it's just it's hard to replicate yeah yeah now you you have you're the mom of two daughters mm-hmm. um have you are you encouraging them to follow in your footsteps and keep up the the family business? I would love for one of my daughters, if not both of them, um, to go into the family business. For one, it would just be easy for them. They won't have to assume the amount of debt that I had to assume while taking, while building these practices. It's almost like the train is on the tracks and it's running, just keep it going. But I also have to realize that they're individuals and I just want them, my, my thing to them is I tell them, look, you gotta go to school, you got to go to college away from mom. You have to become successful and you have to get a graduate degree. You have to be, go beyond your undergraduate education and then find a career that's going to make you happy and that's going to be able to take care of you. So I will be let off the hook financially. Um, if they, you know, now I will expose them to the field of dentistry. I will have them in the office, you know, assisting and things like that. If they choose to do it, I will be more than than overwhelmed and happy to guide them into that profession. However, if they choose something else, as long as they're successful and they're happy with it and they're able to um, take care of themselves, I'm I'm good with that too. Mm-hmm. Well, I need you to have a conversation with your youngest niece because once upon a time she was saying, I want to be a pediatric yeah. dentist. And now, although still a noble profession now, she says she wants to be a pediatric oncologist, but. You never know. At least they're, the good thing is, at least they're saying that as opposed to, I want to be in a video. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, they still have high standards and, and I get that. And, you know, kids are going to change. I think the only reason I did not change is because I was so thrown into it. And even when. I wanted to get a job. You know, I wanted to be a cashier at that time. It was Zare or something like that. And they, they came back and told me, oh, well, you're too overqualified. And I'm like, I just want this as a summer job. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, I had to go back to the dental office. So, you know, this, I tell people, this was my destiny. This was my fate. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's even rare too, though. Um, when you decide early on that you want to go in a certain field and then you stick to it. I mean, because oftentimes when you go away to college, yeah. You start out in one major and then exactly. you your major and decide to do something totally different. Yep. So, I mean, that's actually a testament to, I think, probably the um, the support that you had and, and just the focus that you had to be yeah. able to say, this is something that I want to do. And then you set out to do it. 
but you also acknowledge that you didn't envision that you would open up mm-hmm. practices and then you've done that as well. Um, you know, sometimes I hear like when folks are asking me to recommend a dentist and they'll say, hey, can you call Dr. Griffin? Can you? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, she's not a dentist. Could you please <laughs> yes. explain the difference between- There is a difference. So I tell people, I am a dental specialist. Like if you think in medical terms, you're cardiologist. Okay, before I became an orthodontist, I had to become a general dentist. Just like your cardiologist, he had to become a medical doctor. So basically, after dental school, the four years of University of Michigan School of Dentistry, I did an additional two years of study at Howard University's Department of Orthodontics, where all we did was orthodontics. So yes, I can drill a tooth, fill a tooth, I can pull out a tooth, I can do a root canal on certain teeth. But I don't know how good it would be because I haven't done it in so long. So my practice for me is geared specifically towards um, orthodontics, me moving teeth. Now, at Ivory Dental Specialist, we do have a general dentist there as well as a hygienist to take care of all your general dental needs. We also have an oral surgeon for complex extractions, implant placements, and things like that. But for me specifically, if you call up my office and ask for me specifically, the first thing they're going to say is, Dr. Griffin only does braces. But she does have associates who can take care of your other needs as far as your dental health. So once again, you know, you have a lot of people who will say, oh, I can do braces. Yes, in the state of Illinois, you can practice any field of dentistry that you feel comfortable with with a dental license. However, I tell people all the time, if you have a heart problem, you don't go to your internist, you go to your, cardi- you go to your cardiologist, and if he feels you need um, you know, an extensive surgery, he, he further refers you to the cardiothoracic surgeon. Mm-hmm. So it's just different levels of education, different skill sets. Um, that's no, there's, that's no way to demean a general dentist because they are important and they are your first, um, your first visit or the first responders of your dental health. And they do a tremendous job. In fact, they maintain what we do after we, we, we finish straightening up the teeth. So they are just as important as I am, you know, in fact, more important because, you know, if, if they're not there to maintain your teeth, then I don't have anything to move around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just to let people know when it comes to the movement of teeth, um, as far as um, moving teeth in the mouth, knowing when to extract teeth, when to expand the arches and things like that, that's when you go to your orthodontist. Um, with the, um, there's a lot of talk now, I guess it's, you know, I, I've been a patient, not of yours per se, mm-hmm. twice, but I've had uh, braces twice. Mm-hmm. The last go around, I was your patient. Right. So, and we rectified the problem because I didn't wear my retainer the first time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, with this Invisalign, like I hear so many people saying that they want to um, get Invisalign instead of the it's traditional braces. Like- what I have. Yeah. yeah. It's all dependent upon the case. Okay. You know, some cases are good qualifications for Invisalign. Some cases aren't. It also depends on the skill level of the clinician and how comfortable they are with using Invisalign. Um, I particularly like putting on braces. This is the art that I've gotten good at. Um, now, yes, we are transitioning. I'm probably one of the last orthodontists to transition two clear aligners, um, and there is a need for clear aligners. I was just at the uh, our virtual convention, and they're saying, 
pretty much the market um, clear aligners, Invisalign, clear correct, sure smile, and things like that basically have about have about 20% of the market right now. Um, so there's still a lot of people walking around with braces. Some people don't want braces. I understand that. And that's why I've had to yet shift my practice so that we can uh, cater to both people who want traditional braces, which is still a need and a want, as well as clear aligners. Um, at this point, with my skills, with my skill level, I can still do a better job with the braces as opposed to the aligners. The more cases that I do, though, I'm sure it'll start leveling out. Mm -hmm. It just depends on what the patient needs, the expectations, and what you know what needs to be done in the mouth as far as tooth movement. Because I was at the convention, the virtual convention, and I saw some beautiful cases done with aligners. Um, now, with that when you have an aligner, you still have to get things put on your teeth called attachments to help move the aligners. Cause what the, the aligners do is that they push teeth. It's not like they pull, turn, you know, they push. Mm -hmm. um, you have more control with the bracket as opposed to the aligner, but with the aligner as well, you have to get a lot more auxiliaries like, you know, screws put in your mouth to help move and, and, and direct different forces on the teeth. So like I said, it's just depending upon what the patient wants and what you feel comfortable with doing as a clinician. You learn something new every day because the way it's advertised is that it's just so simple. And, and it's going to work. That's right. Like overnight, you know. Um, we all know anything too good to be true. It is. <laughs> and, uh, and and of course you have my, my twins as your patient. Yep. Uh, we have one who probably is afraid to see you because I don't think she's been wearing her yeah, rubber band. Band. I know. <laughs> and then the youngest is ready to get in your chair so yeah. it's something about teenagers now I don't know if it's a fad where they like to wear braces as if it's an accessory so I think that's probably why Aaliyah isn't wearing her rubber bands because they like to keep them on until it's time to go to prom then yeah. they want the braces off and I tell people with, with, with the teenagers you'll have an iPhone earpods Jordan gym shoes and braces. It's the typical, it's the typical, you know, uniform of, of young kids. Now, with the practice that you're going to be opening up um, on, on 83rd Street on the mm -hmm. south, southwest side of Chicago, will you have a general dentist there as well? Yes, and that's why we call it Ivory Dental Specialist of Auburn Gresham, because we will have both the general dentist as well as myself doing the ortho. And eventually what we want to do is open up a dental assistant training school. Mm. Um, we built it out with a classroom and things like that. And then they can get their clinical hours in our office because there's just a huge shortage of dental assistants and good dental assistants. Um, that program will probably evolve sometime next year. Um, but yeah, we, we found an old garage, 6,000 square foot garage, um, walked in, it was nothing but a dirt floor, four walls, and I'm like, this is it. Um, and it's really a gem in the community. Um, I know when I first announced that I was put in an office there, people were like, well, why would you go there? And I'm like, why would I not? You know, we have to be builders within our own community and investing in our own community and believing that our community will support us. Uh, the Alderman's been great. The city has been great. They gave us a, a, a grant to help with the build out. Um, we'll also have a coffee shop. Uh, within that same building. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I think, you know, this is the biggest practice that building that I've built, the biggest office that I've built. And it's far, it's, it's the best looking one that I've built to date, I believe. So I'm excited. Um, once we get everything um, as far as 
the stay at home order, um, you know, amended. And then um, the, the neighboring coffee shop has to go through a couple more inspections and, you know, we'll be open because the office is actually done. We just have to get our final inspections and then we'll be able to open. So I'm assuming probably if this is, we'll probably be open like late July, early August. Oh, wow. We'll have a big grand opening and things like that. And it's something that I'm just really proud of because that's another thing my father and my mother is always pressed about is not to be scared of your own people going to the community and invest. And like I said, every time somebody walks into that office, they're like, oh my goodness, this is really, really nice. Mm-hmm. So I'm just proud of it. And, um, I think this is going to be my last office. <laughs> well, I was going to... Everybody ask, laughs when I say that. Yeah, because that was my next question. You have three practices. And I mean, and like you said, even before that, you had the practice that you had bought into in Joliet. Mm-hmm. And just, and you're a wife and you're a mother. Mm-hmm. Where do you find enough time in the day? There are only seven days in the week and 24 hours in the day. So how do you, how are you able to balance it all? Because that's, you know, one thing that, um, and people ask me all, all of the time as well, like, how do you do it? Where do you find the energy? And I say, I don't know. Just Energy um, is through the grace of God. Um, I have a very supportive mother who helps me transporting the kids back and forth, as well as cousins. Um, my husband helps out. Um, And then the way, you know, the support staff that I have as far as my office manager helping us just plan through the day. Uh, Because if one doctor is at one office and I'm at another office, that's how we can keep everything going. Work-life balance is sometimes a challenge. And yes, I do get tired. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I do have stressful days, but that's when I just take a break, you know, and I will put it in my schedule. I told my office manager every month I need at least one to two, three day weekends. Mm-hmm. you know, or work a half a day, have that Saturday, Sunday, and Monday off. So I have learned to work hard and take a break. You know, I put it in my schedule. Now, every every three months, I get a week of vacation. And that's still in addition to the spring breaks that I take off with the kids. Um, in the summertime, and I tell my, my, my practices that um, I am still a mother, you know, and I have to have children Um, I have to spend time with my children and they understand that because I'm like, your children are only small for a short amount of time. And I need that time with my children. Just like you, you want that time with your children. So in the summers, I never work Saturdays, summertimes. I, and then winter, spring and fall, I only work two Saturdays of the month. Mm -hmm. Um, in the short days I'm done at least by one o'clock. Um, so I've, I've learned to build in, um, build in days of my schedule and controlling my time to where I get a break. Uh, The end of the year, I always take off two weeks, you know, uh, August, I'm always off two weeks in August, you know, because I need to spend that time decompressing, uh, re-energizing and spending that time with my family. Um, But on the days that I am at the office, I still, I don't have a nanny or anything like that. So I'm still running to ballet class. I'm still running to violin class. I'm still running to um, the rehearsals, the orchestra rehearsals and things like that. You know, I don't think about it. I just go um, because if I thought about it, then I probably would get overwhelmed. But at the same time, it's like my kids are only going to be this age for so long. And then after that, once they're done, they're done. And what else am I going to do other than just to practice? So, um, you know, there are days I don't cook, (laughs) you know, 
And and my family is starting to realize that now, now that we've been home on the COVID break, they're like, man, ma, you are really cooking, you know? Because I'm like, no, we're not going to eat out or this, that, and the other. But they realize I have more time. So some things get cut short, you yeah. know? Um, and I think that's only natural. At one point, I was trying to do everything and I almost killed myself and I realized this isn't the way to go. And so I started delegating things more to my, to my staff, mm-hmm. you know, making my kids do more in the house. That's still an uphill battle, but at least I'm trying, you know? Uh, so that, that's, that's how we do it. But I think work-life balance, I'm, that's always going to be an issue for me. I'm always trying to figure it out. I adjust as much as I possibly can. Um, and then the, the other good thing is, you know, prior to COVID, I would get, get up at about, five five thirty and I would work out that would be my my time for me by myself I would go and do an hour workout at the gym and that was my selfish time got it so with COVID you know like we said we were all kind of forced to sit down yeah another choice how has that um so it's I'm sure had its its positive aspects and then its negative aspects so on one hand you've now gotten about eight weeks or so, eight or nine weeks or so of time of being with your family, um, being able to cook, home cooked meal. Grocery shop. Clean. Yeah, but not just the wear and tear running around so yeah. like you were normally doing. But then from a business perspective, mm-hmm. because of the field that you're in, then you were unable or have unable to have your practices open. Yeah. Um, We completely shut down. I was blessed enough. I was able to qualify and I did get the PPP loan. mm -hmm. Um, And then by me being a business person, I live under my means because you never know when stuff is going to hit the fan. So we were, we're able to survive. Um, The first week my, my family thought I was some crazed maniac at that. You know, I think I probably went through a mild form of depression because it was just like, oh my God, what are we going to do? I was out of my element. You know, I, it went like a crashing halt, you know, like almost like PTSD. This, this, this infarction came on your brain, like, wait a minute, I got to stop. Um, and then around the second week, I'm like, okay, this is the break that I always wanted. Not under these circumstances, but still nonetheless, it's a break. So it was at that point, it was nothing that we could do. You know, we were at a standstill. Uh, we referred any emergencies to the hospital or to the dental school. And we just, we were waiting. Um, but then after that, it was like, okay, eventually we know we are going to open. How do we retool to come back so that we can open? Uh, in this time, you know, a lot of stuff gets overlooked when you're seeing, you know, tons of patients every day. Um, after we procured the, the PPP loan, I brought the staff in um, and we just cleaned up the office, not just physically, but administratively. Mm -hmm. Uh, We got insurance out, you know, we contacted patients and that's what we're doing now because we're going to open up effective June 1st. Uh, We were able to reorganize, do inventory. Uh, We just took our, we're taking our time. We we have all our systems in place. You know, I had a professional um, company come in to spray a bacterial spray uh, on all the surfaces to make sure that the patients feel safe and that they are safe as well as the staff. So we were able to, um, retool, uh, get out, get our ducks in a row, as you would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to finish some fi- uh, some last minute things at the new office prior to us opening. So, um, it's almost 
outside of the devastation of COVID, um, which I wish we'd never experienced, but as far as the break and us being able to play catch up and getting things done in the office, this has been a good thing for us, you know, turning something positive out of something that negatively impacted everybody. Um, so yeah, you know, we just had, and then we're grateful that we have the ability to reopen because right. I don't know, you know, I know a lot of businesses are suffering and the good thing is, is that we have people still calling us wanting our services, which, you know, a lot of people can't say that. Right. Well, you know, we'll be in your office on June 1st. So we already we'll have our there. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell, tell that oldest daughter of yours and make sure she puts her rubber bands on at least I told her, I I said, you got three weeks, get it together. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So what's, so your grand opening is going to be later this summer. Yeah. Um, Your practices effective June 1st will be, will resume business. Mm -hmm. Um, Not necessarily business as usual, because of course. No, definitely not. How, how we do things. Yeah. Um, how is that going to work? So it's I, for, for everybody, because of the social distancing, uh, our revenues will definitely be impacted, meaning being de- decreased. I am used to seeing about 50 to, to 70, sometimes 80 patients a day. You know, all the chairs are packed. I was booked about six columns with a patient. You know, we'd have six columns with a patient every 15 minutes. Now it's gone down to three columns with one patient every 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, our revenues as far will be decreased, but our operating expenses will be increased because now we have to spend more on masks, gowns, protective barriers. Um, we have to spend more time cleaning and things like that. Um, you know, so businesses are going to take a hit. I don't know for how long until they figure out what's going on with this virus. And, you know, when you're in business, that's the gamble you take. Um, I much rather have a higher overhead, to, uh, as opposed to somebody coming into my office, getting sick or putting my staff at risk. That's something I'm not willing to do. So we'll incur that uh, in the meantime. Um, but, but, but like I said, I think people feel comfortable with coming to the dentist because they know it's a controlled environment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's different as opposed to going to a game, you know, outdoors or, or to an indoor movie theater or to a restaurant. You know, you know, when you come into our office, we'll take your temperature. You know, we'll have you fill out a health history form. We will be in our PPE, so we will be protected. Uh, We ask that all of our uh, patients come in with some type of facial covering on so that if you do cough and sneeze, you don't bring anything into the office. Um, And then we'll have people, you know, only people that need to be treated will be in the office. Anybody else who's just sitting there waiting, we will graciously ask them to wait in their cars. You know, and that's just just where we are for the moment. Uh, Eventually, once they get a virus, I mean, a vaccine, and they, they know more about this new virus, then those restrictions, I'm sure, will, you know, will decrease and we'll get back to our normal. Um, but, you know, certain things will be in place. I mean, after the AIDS, AIDS HIV outbreak, you know, dentists didn't wear gloves prior to that or masks. Mm-hmm. And now they have to do that. Um, I think once we find out what's going on with this COVID virus, will we have to wear N95 masks? Probably not. You know, we may have to wear a level two or a level three mask because remember, if this virus has been, you know, circulating around the country since January or late December, right? we were doing dentistry full stream ahead with just a level one mask. And thank God no one in my office got infected. Um, and I have yet to hear of anybody within the dental profession, you know, 
getting uh, infected or, or dying. So, and I think the reason why is because we do practice, you know, universal precautions. We always have on our masks. We always have on our gloves. We're in, we are all, we are always hand washing. You know, mm-hmm. if, if we're not hand washing, we're hand spraying with a disinfectant. At least I know that's what I do. And that's what my colleagues do. So that's probably one of the reasons why, you know, the transmission rate amongst dentists is so very, very low. If, you know, if there is even a level of, you know, exposure within our profession. And then we're constantly wiping, you know, we're always constantly, you know, we, we got that scare, you know, during the AIDS HIV outbreak. And I remember that growing up being in the office and people coming in, you know, apprehensive because, oh my God, are you going to give us HIV or AIDS, you know, through a needle or something like that. But I'm, and I thought that that would happen with this COVID, but the first thing that they're calling us is when you open, when are you open and we're ready to come back. Um, and we're going to reassure our patients to let them know that all safety precautions are being taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, and that's why we've been actually in the office since what, uh, late April, May, but uh, April, yeah, April or May, you know, just getting things in order so that once we do reopen, we'll be ready. Perfect. Well, I, I won't see you then on June 1st. I'll be in my car. <laughs> you, can, you can come in waving. You know. I'll practice social distancing. We'll FaceTime. That's right. But, um, well, I want to, is there anything, any advice that you can give um, to our listeners who, I don't know, may have aspirations of um, going into business for themselves? It doesn't matter the field. So, of course, it doesn't have to be, you know. Pertaining to dentistry. Yeah, I, I just tell people, you know, be open to change. Things may not go along the way you planned it, um, but you have to be able to adjust. And that's why I say be open with change. Also, when opportunity presents, jump on it, because who's to say that the opportunity you pass up, somebody else is not going to take, and then that opportunity won't be there for you anymore. Um, There's a level of fear that you have to not have when you start a business and it's a gamble, but you know, I was always taught build it and they will come because it's something that people will always want. So when you go into business, think about the need for the business and if the business can weather a storm, because people are going to always want to come back to that business, no matter what, make it your own, make it one of a kind. Um, But the biggest thing is, is just open to change. Sometimes things may not work out. And just because you may have a setback, keep on going. You know, with this last practice, the build out, we had many setbacks and there was a time I'm like, you know what? But at the end of the day, the reward is far greater than what you had to go through to get it. And then after a while, once you get to that, to that, to that goal, everything that happened in between doesn't even matter. You don't even think about that once you are there and the business is becoming successful. Well, I think that's a great way to end this conversation. But before we go, please share your um, the location of the practices, where folks can um, reach you should they need an orthodontist or if they need to go and see a general dentist at Ivory Dental Specialist. That's the best so, way to contact you. Oh, so the websites, uh, com or www.bgriffinorthodontics, with an S.com. Uh, 
Griffin Orthodontics is located at uh, 10019 Southwestern Avenue, right off of 99th and Western. Telephone number is 773-358-43, no, I'm sorry, 773-239-7696. Uh, Ivory Dental Specialist of Kenwood Hyde Park is at 1020 uh, East, I'm sorry, 1040 East 47th Street, all these numbers in my head. We're on the corner of uh, 47th and Greenwood, right next door to the Little Black Pearl Theater. That telephone number is 773-358-4350. Um, Auburn Gresham, uh, Ivory Dental Specialist of Auburn Gresham is 8344 South Hosted. So we're on the corner of 83rd and Hosted. I don't know that telephone number by heart because I haven't used it yet. But like I said, if you go to ivorydentalspecialist.com, you'll get all that information. As far as orthodontic consults, we do that for free. You come in, I will evaluate you for free, give you my, my opinion on treatment. Uh, at that time, you will know what the treatment costs are, uh, as well as the payment plan. For the general dentist, her consultations aren't free because it's an actual exam where they do x-rays, charting. Um, at that time, you probably need your teeth clean. Uh, but we take all insurances. We uh, take um, all forms of payments. We offer payment plans for the bigger general dentistry cases uh, where if your mouth needs to be completely reconstructed. Um, uh, we're in the community. Uh, we're black owned, female operated and owned. Uh, you'll see a lot of family members working in the offices as well as a lot of young people that we're trying to steer in the uh, field of dentistry with our assisting. Um, we have a very inviting environment. Um, we're not too stuffy, not too strict, but we do believe in good customer service and good dental care. And are you guys on social media? Yes, we are. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram, uh, Griffin Orthodontics and Ivory Dental Specialist. My older daughter is trying to open up a TikTok account. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see about that. I, you know. That might be fun. <laughs> well, well, that's what they're saying we need to do with the young kids. So she's opening up a TikTok account. Um, Try, I have to learn the dance first, you know. I'm like, how do you guys memorize all these dances, but you can't remember to clean up the kitchen? Well, I got a TikTok account, but Khalees would not permit me. She changed my settings so that her friends wouldn't see that I was on because she said they would want to follow me. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, she should be happy she got a cool mom. You like, would think. Really? And they refused to do any TikTok videos with the dances, and that's what I really want to do. So. Hey, look. You, we're already busy enough. Please don't throw memorizing a dance on my plate right now. <laughs> I can sing it. I can rap it, but I don't know if I can dance it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a pleasure having you on. Thank and you so much. I appreciate it. No problem. And looking forward to you getting back to your practices very, very soon because we all have missed you all very, very much. I have missed my patients as well. I, I, I actually miss it. But I have enjoyed the break. I will say that. Yeah. So thank you so much. And as I always leave all of my guests with every episode, don't forget to light it up and shine bright like a diamond. Thanks for joining me this week on Light It Up. Make sure you visit my website at www.lightituppodcast.com or www.ajinamohammed.com. You can also find me on social media using the handle at Light It Up Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes 
or you can simply tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next time, light it up and shine bright like a diamond.